Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Man, it's wonderful to see the room full. It's wonderful to know that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Amen. This passage, I was doing some studying for another message a few weeks ago. And this passage just jumped out at me. Acts chapter 2. Let's start reading in verse 22. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. And he has just said that a minute ago, if you look at verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. So verse 22 again, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren... Let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins according to the flesh he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, which he hath shed forth, this which ye now see and hear, for David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Lord, help us as we... Consider this message from your Apostle Peter. Lord, help us to understand what it means for us today. Lord, as we remember your resurrection, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying on the cross for us and rising from the dead. Thank you for the power of the cross that was just sung about, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, what we have here is the prosecution. Peter is prosecuting Israel. And, and I can just picture Peter. And I don't know how you picture him. I picture him as a, a big, fighting fisherman. 
a man's man. He probably didn't sound like Kermit the Frog, like me. I picture him having a huge voice, standing up and saying, Men of Israel, hearken unto me. Now remember what's going on. This is the Feast of the Passover. This is one of the largest feasts, the Feast of Pentecost, I'm sorry. This is one of the largest feast days in Israel. Israel is full. There are people everywhere. And now all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost comes. And now as these men prophesy and they preach, people from 16 different languages, 18 different nations, are hearing the Word of God preached in their own language. Imagine if we had people from all over the world, and I stand up and preach in English, but you hear it in, uh, in Arabic, you hear it in French, you hear it in Dutch. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And this great miracle is happening. And Peter, the man of God, and I, I just can't imagine what it would be like to be the kind of man that could stand up in a crowd and gather the attention of an entire city and nations of people. That's what Peter is doing here. And God filled him with the Holy Spirit to be able to do this at that moment and listen to the message that he brings. It is not a message of joy and hope to these people. It is a message of condemnation. He is like a prosecutor before the the court indicting these people for the murder of Jesus Christ. And look at what he says. Look at what he says about the victim. Now, again, look at who he is addressing. Again, if you look at verse 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem. Verse 22, ye men of Israel. Verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel. He is indicting an entire people group. He's indicting a nation. He's indicting a religious city, a holy city. This is what he's doing. He's calling it to the attention of the Jews. It's a Jewish message. Remember, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Look at his message. Look at how he talks about the victim. Verse 22, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. His name. His name. They knew who he was. So he talks about his name. He talks about his character. You see, Jesus wasn't an insurrectionist. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, Jesus is the door. He said, I am the door, and there's only one way to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We sang it in the song a minute ago. There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. You can't trust in Muhammad. You can't trust in Buddha. You can't trust in Mary. You can't trust in anyone but Jesus Christ. There is one name. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will not share his glory with another. You can't trust the preacher. You can't trust the church. It's only Jesus. And that's the name, Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's who came. That's the one that they had been looking for. That's the one that they missed, his name. But not only his name, who is this victim? Not only his name, but look at his character. Look at his character in verse 25. 
or verse 27, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. You know, there's only one that's holy, and that's God. And then God says, be ye holy as I am holy. Only God is holy. So his name is Jesus, and he came to be a savior. They crucified him as a criminal. They hung him as a criminal. They nailed him to the cross as a criminal, as an insurrectionist. Give us Barabbas. That's what they had done. And he was the only holy, the only perfect, the only innocent one to ever walk the face of the earth. He was perfect and holy and harmless. That's our Savior. That's the one that is being spoken of. And not only his name, not only his character, but notice he also points to his works. And look at what he says in verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, look at what it says. A man approved of God among you. So not only was his name Jesus, and that's who they had been looking for and missed. Not only was he holy and they saw that he was perfect. But he was approved of God by miracles. And look at how the Bible says it in verse 22. Approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. The Bible says he didn't, these things were not hidden. He didn't do it in a closet. He didn't do it in a corner. He did it in the midst of all of them. They all knew who he was. And this indictment is not, well, what if they didn't know? What if they didn't really recognize who he was? Look at the language of the scriptures. Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you. And look at what it says. Which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Look at what it says in verse 29. This David sepulcher, it's with us to this day, and it was about him. Verse 32, this Jesus hath God raised up whereof... We all are witnesses, this coming of the Holy Spirit at the end of verse 33, which ye now see and hear. This was evident. Everyone had seen it. It was obvious. It wasn't hidden. The whole city knew about it. Do you remember in in, uh, Luke chapter 24 on the Emmaus Road? And they're walking along, the two disciples of Christ, they're walking along and they're sad. And he says, why are you sad? Well, because of the things that happened in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, what things? And they said, you don't know? They were shocked that Jesus, or they didn't know it was Jesus. And I love it that Jesus never asks questions to gain information. How many of you think Jesus knew what had happened at Jerusalem? Right? And so he, he what things? What th- I don't know. What are you talking about? You see, everyone knew this. The crucifixion of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. The whole thing. It wasn't done in a corner. It wasn't done in a closet. Everyone knew about it. And now Peter is pointing it out to him. Who was this victim? It's Jesus. The names of Christ, the Holy One, Jesus of Nazareth, a man, him, the Lord, Christ, Christ. These names of Christ all through this short message. Jesus wanted them to know who he was. Peter wanted them to know who he was, the victim. His name, his character, and his deeds. But what about the crime? What about the crime? Look at what it says in verse 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Look at what it says. Ye have taken. 
and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Wicked hands took him, crucified him, and killed him. And then verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. What is his message? You took God. You laid hands on the Holy One. You dragged him to the place of execution. You beat him. You put a crown of thorns on his head and beat it into his head with a rod. The creator of the world, the God of the universe, the one who holds all things in the palm of his hand, the one who upholds all things by the word of his power. You took him. You crucified him and you killed him. You did this. Who did it? All of Israel. They were all responsible. That's who killed Jesus. This is the indictment. The victim. The crime. They killed him. And you know what the good news is? So the audience, of course. The people. The victim, Jesus. The Holy One. The crime, the murder. The murder of Christ. You know what the good news is, though? Their failure. You see, what they tried to do was the impossible. What they tried... I'm going to lift this building. I have a better chance of picking up this building than they would have of killing God. Amen? You understand it's impossible to kill God. How many of you know it's impossible to kill God? He's eternal. He can't die. He's eternal. So what did he do? He took on a body. Remember Hebrews chapter 4, a body hast thou prepared me. Jesus Christ didn't begin at Bethlehem. He didn't end at Calvary. That body, he took on that body so that it could be beaten, so that it could be spat upon, so that a crown of thorns could be pounded into his head, so that he could be pierced, so that he could be, dis- so that he could be disfigured. But look at the way the Bible says it. Look at verse 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. What did Jesus Christ say? We looked at it a few weeks ago in John chapter 10. No man takes my life from me. I can lay it down and I can take it up again. Jesus Christ came and he allowed himself to be killed. He allowed himself to be abused. He allowed that, all of that shame, all of that reproach... And even more than that, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. You see, the worst part wasn't what they did to his body. The worst part was that all of my sin was placed on him. On who? The Holy One. That's what he did. You see, are they responsible for what they did? Of course. But they could not have done it had not Jesus allowed it to happen and the Father determined it to be the only way that we could be saved. The failure. Listen to what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 50. Remember what, jo- what uh, Joseph said to his brothers 
But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Remember, they took Joseph and they were jealous of Joseph because his father had given him his coat of many colors. So they took and threw him into a pit, told his father that they, that he was dead and they sold him into slavery. Next thing you know, Joseph is the second in command in the nation of Egypt and they come and they're going to die. The nation of Israel is going to die. And they're saved because of the evil that they did. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. And that's the exact message that Peter is giving Israel. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. The failure. The failure. They couldn't have killed him. Peter quotes Psalm 1610, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. But I love this. This is, one of, this is a fun part. Look at what it says in verse... 24, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. They were trying to do the impossible. Satan, I think, thought that he had won. Don't you think? I think, I did it. I finally did it. And the father is saying, just wait. Just wait. Because here's the problem. It's like when you take something that floats and you try and push it under the water, and you can hold it under the water, you take your hand off it and it just floats to the top. Push it down, floats to the top. Push it down, floats to the top. It wasn't possible for Jesus to remain dead because he is God. It's not possible for those chains of death, the pains of death, to keep him holding. It couldn't hold him. He rose from the dead. Their failure. Do you realize men have tried to kill God forever? You know, you'll see Joe Rogan just mock Christianity. Well, he won't forever. One day. You have these people right now that are trying to to say all kinds of horrible things about Christians and Christianity. The farther we go down the road, the worse it's going to get. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. But I can tell you this, it's not possible to hold God. It is not possible I like what the old preacher said. I've read the back of the book, and we win. (laughs) Amen? And that's actually in this text. It's going to be really fun to see it. Let's keep going. Their failure, their failure. It was not possible that he should be holden. But it wasn't just a failure of the men. It's a victory of Jesus Christ over death. let's Let's look at the victory. Verse 24 again. Whom God hath raised up. Whom God hath raised up. Verse 27. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. So here's what happened. The the, the apostle Peter is saying, verse 24, whom God hath raised up. Then look at what it says in verse 32. This Jesus hath God raised up whereof we are all, we all are witnesses. Okay, you all know this happened. This happened. But notice what he says. In verse 30, talking about David, therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Look at what the Bible says, verse 31. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Jesus died. 
Jesus went to paradise, remember? This day you'll be with me in where? Paradise. He took the thief with him to paradise, but here's the deal. They didn't stay there. Neither Jesus nor the thief. He went to paradise, preached to the souls in prison, across the great gulf, preached to the souls in prison, and then he took paradise to heaven with him. And now they're in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's a New Testament promise, not an Old Testament promise. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Jesus had to die on the cross so that they could go to heaven. Jesus did that. That's the victory. So what do we have? We have the fact. And he gives the fact. Listen, he gives the fact before he reminds them of the prophecy. He gives the history and then the prophecy of the history. Do you see that? How many of you see that in the text? Why? Because you know what prophecy is? It's God writing history before it happens. If God writes a prophecy, you can write it down as history. It's going to happen. And that's what happened in that day. Praise the Lord. Now look at what it says. That's his victory. But here's the part. This is the difference between, well, this is one of the myriad differences between God and me. What would I do? I love Jesus. I'm one of Jesus' apostles. Jesus is risen from the dead. And look at what they say. I want, you to, I want you to see this. Look at verse 38 or verse 37. Now when they heard this, who? All these people in Israel. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Here's what I tell you to do. Go to hell. What would you do if the one you loved had just been tortured and killed? What would you say? Die. What, 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 if what you say is true, what, what are we to do? What are we going to do? Die. No, what's the message of Scripture? It's a message of mercy. What is the answer? It's the same answer as always. Verse 38, Peter said unto them, repent. Repent. And notice it says, repent and be baptized. Here's mercy. You see, for us, we repent. When you get to, to, to get saved, to, to have your sins forgiven, what you are to do is repent. The, the, the apostle says in, at the end of the book of Acts, repentance toward God and faith toward Jesus Christ. What is repentance? It's to change your mind. Change your mind. Change your direction. Now, it says repentance toward God. Here's, here's how you repent toward God. God is just. You're not. I'm not that bad. I don't deserve to go to hell. Here's what repentance is. I am that bad. I, deserve, I do deserve to go to hell. How many of you see that's a change in thinking? Jesus died on the cross for me. Why? Why did he die for me? Because that's the only way for me to be saved. See, it's easy for me to look at these knuckleheads on the front row. Right? And say, <laughs> he definitely died for you. Because you losers are bad. See, that's real easy for us to say, right? Because we all know. How many of you know that teenagers are evil? Can you raise your hand? You all know. that. Look, they're raising their hands. They know it. And what's funny is it's the junior high guys that are saying it about the senior high. None of the senior high guys raise their hands. It's all these guys that know you guys are evil. 
See, it's real easy for us to say, oh, he's bad. You know, Vladimir Putin. How many of you think Putin's a bad guy? So is Zelensky. Right? Zelensky has his, his political opponent in prison uh, since May, way before the invasion. Took over the news media. He's an evil despot. We have one evil despot attacking another evil despot, and people on our side are taking sides. Oh, which one are we going to fight for? <sighs> Neither. Leave him alone. Listen, it's real easy for us to point and say, that guy's evil. That guy's bad. Here's what repentance is. I'm bad. Repentance is God. I'm the one in need of the Savior. That's repentance. Repentance toward God. Faith toward Jesus Christ is you change from saying, God, I deserve to be condemned, but I have faith in what your son did on the cross and that he rose from the dead. That's mercy. So for us, that's our salvation. What did the Jews have to do? The Jews had to repent and be baptized. It wasn't enough for the nation of Israel to believe in Jesus. It wasn't enough. They had to make a public testimony of it. Why? Because the entire nation had rejected him. Do you know what happened? The nation did not receive Christ here. Some did. Some did. That's why the church was born. That's why the attention went to the Gentiles, because the nation of Israel rejected Jesus, and they're rejecting him to this day. But they will turn to him, and all Israel shall be saved. Praise God, Romans chapter 11, that's going to happen. But in the meantime, we still need, we need the same mercy that Israel needed. We need the same mercy that the Jews did. Why? Because not only did Jesus die for the Jews, not only did he die on the cross for their sin, he died on the cross for my sin. He died for me. That's the mercy. That's the mercy. But here's the deal. We're not done. Look at what he says. Verse 34. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he said himself, the Lord said unto my Lord. So the Lord God the Father said to the Lord God the Son, sit thou on my right hand. Verse 35. Everybody there at verse 35. What's that next word? Until. The story is not over. How many of you are thankful Jesus rose from the dead? Amen. Has there been any suffering in the world since 33 A.D.? Whenever it was, 35 A.D.? Have we had about 2,000 years of suffering and evil? Why is that? If we have an all-powerful God, why is it that we have this evil? If Jesus rose from the dead and conquered sin and death, why do we still have all of this evil and suffering in the world? Because the Bible says it this way. Look at what it says. In verse... 34, for David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Here's the way the Bible says it. We see not yet all things put under his feet. Remember when Satan was tempting Jesus and he offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world? Why? Because right now Satan is the God of this world. He is. Jesus is, listen, Jesus is not sitting on his throne. 
Jesus is in heaven seated in his father's throne. He is going to come to Jerusalem and sit on his father David's throne. Jesus is going to have his own in Jerusalem. That's coming. And do you know what's going to happen? All things are going to be under his feet. I love it. Look, let's just read the text. And let's think about this and we'll be done. Verse 35. Until I make thy foes thy footstool, therefore let all the house of Israel look at know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified. I want you to mark that next word. I've got it in brackets with exclamation points. Both Lord and Christ. You see, they were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the Christ. The name Christ means anointed one. They were looking for the king, but they didn't want him to be the Lord. Look at what he says in verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the who? Not the Messiah, not the Christ, but the Lord. You see, people want a religious king. They want a political king, but they are not interested in the Lord of their life. Do you know that's the way that we are? Yeah, I can believe that there's a God. I can even believe that he came and died on the cross and rose from the dead. I can believe that, but I'm not going to let him be in charge of my life. I'm not going to let him be my Lord. I am not going to allow him to be the one that I bow before and the one that is in charge of everything that I do. That's what it means for Jesus to be your Lord. And what we have in this text is a connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, they're looking for the Messiah. In the New Testament, we're looking for the return of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Even so, come quickly. Listen, Lord Jesus, he's coming back. So what do we have? We have the victim. We, we see his name, it's Jesus. We see his character, he's the Holy One. We see his deeds approved by God. It was seen by all, among you, we are all witnesses. And then we see their failure. It wasn't possible to kill him. He came by determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. He came unto his own, his own received him not. He came to die But we see his victory. God hath raised him from the dead. He has conquered sin and death. I am clean. I am saved. I'm born again. And what am I waiting for? I'm waiting for the until. Are there wars and rumors of wars right now? Are there earthquakes? Are there pestilences? COVID? Are there pestilences? Yeah, but the time has not yet come. When you see all these things, time's not yet come. Do you know when that time comes? When the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall come for, shall, shall uh, rise first. Do you know what I love? I love the Revelation chapter 4. Here's what it's going to be. Come up hither. You know what we're going to do? We're going to be gone. And I can just picture some of y'all. You love your stuff so much, you're going to get a hold of that fishing boat, and your legs are going to be going up, and you're holding on. Notice I didn't say golf clubs because they're going with me. But listen, he rose from the dead. But we can't only have the story of the, the, the winning, the resurrection. 
The indictment has to be a part of the message. He said to Israel, you did this. But do you know what all of us should say? I did this. Amen? Repentance toward God. Faith toward Jesus Christ. Because he's coming back. He is coming back. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's all stand together. Lord, you're so good to us. We don't deserve any of it. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross. That's such an easy thing to say, but what a monumental accomplishment. On the Mount of Transfiguration, you met with Moses and Elijah, and you were talking about the death that you would accomplish. Your death's not a tragedy. It's an accomplishment. Lord, you did it for us. You created even a body that you could bear. But, but you, didn't, you didn't take that body on just for the crucifixion. You're still in it, and you will be forever. You're our Savior. You're our God. You're both Lord and Christ. Father, thank you for being the Jewish Messiah, and thank you for being my Lord and Savior. Father, I pray if there's anyone here who is not born again, that today will be the day of their salvation.